This podcast was recorded on Tuesday, November 27th at 11.40 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. There's 30% of the population that didn't vote the last election, so that's a huge clientele for us. Bernier is off to the races. The four-time conservative MP for both split from his party this August. I'm not convinced that, convinced that what we will get if Andrew Scheer becomes a prime minister is just a more moderate version of the disastrous Trudeau government. Bernier said he was tired of putting water into his wine and he wanted to finally fight for what he believes in. I know for a fact that many in the caucus privately opposed supply management, but buying votes in a few key writings is more important than defending the interests of our Canadians. In September, he announced the formation of a new national political party. Here it is, the People's Party of Canada. Political parties had become beholden to private interests, he said. Governments were growing out of control and they couldn't solve basic problems, such as pipeline approvals and what he called the migrant crisis. Bernier promised a different type of party and a different style of politics. You know, uh, I'm authentic, I'm telling the truth. The former Tory MP said he'd run on the same principles outlined in his platform from the Conservative leadership race. Individual freedom and personal responsibility respect and fairness. But so far, the traction Bernier is getting is focused not so much on what he's saying, but rather on what he's tweeting. He tweeted, Trudeau keeps pushing his diversity is our strength slogan, but he asked, where do we draw the line? Tribes, ghettos, you know, extreme multiculturalism. Uh, you know, what country does he live in? We have to draw the conclusion that he is trying to appeal to a very specific xenophobic base. I'm Althea Raj, and this is Follow Up, a HuffPost Canada politics podcast. This week, we bring you two, yes, two episodes of follow-up from our frank and open sit-down with Maxime Bernier. His People's Party is running at about 1% in a recent public opinion survey, but Bernier thinks he'll be in fighting form come next fall. And I can tell you that in a couple of months from now, we will be the alternative. And if you want to beat the Trudeau government, people will have to vote for us and not for Andrew Scheer. Mr. O'Leary's BFF. Maxime Bernier, who's also being a pest right now. In your don't mind. be negative. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with these um, these conservatives. They're uh, splitting the vote. They're voting for this party led by Andrew Scheer. I, I think they should come on board and, and join the, uh, the actual conservative party. It's called the People's Party now. I pressed Bernier to expand on his controversial comments on immigration. That's part two of our conversation. His thoughts on other issues, and there are many, and his decision to leave the Tories are where we begin. I'm Maxime Bernier, Member of Parliament for both. I've been in politics uh, for the last 12 years. And before that, I was uh, working in the financial sector for a national bank and Standard Life. I decided to be in politics because I want to fight for what I believe in. And I'm 55 years old. I'm in top shape, so life is good. <laughs> Last time we spoke, it was during the Conservative leadership race. Mm -hmm. I'll just bring you back there. So a year and a half ago now, we were in Toronto at the Toronto yeah. Congress Centre. Yeah. 
and you lost by less than 2% of the vote. Yes. At the time, <laughs> you held Andrew Shear's hand and you yeah. said you were ready to walk with him. Yes. And then 15 months later, yes. you have a press conference and you say... August 23rd. He, yeah. his, the party under his leadership is too intellectually and morally corrupt to be reformed. I have come to realize over the past year that this party is too intellectually and morally corrupt to be reformed. Yes. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> uh, first of all, I must say that uh, the night of the, the leadership uh, in the 27th of, uh, of May, uh, when Andrew Scheer won, my sentiment at that time, I was relief. I was relief because uh, I was the candidate for big and bold reforms. And I had only six MPs on 98 uh, conservative MPs that uh, at that time supported me. If that would have been the opposite, Maxim Bernier 51% and Andrew Scheer 49%, um, I won't be able to achieve uh, my reform. I don't have the support of the caucus and I'm winning only by... Uh, less than 2%. So I was relieved uh, because I said, you know, I, I don't want to do any compromise. Uh, compromise for me or or, or consensus. Uh, I don't like that word, consensus and compromise because I'm doing politics on based on my conviction and people like the conviction, perfect, they will come. If they don't, I won't change. So, so that was my first sentiment. But a couple of days after that, yes, I was a little bit mad. Um, and I decided to fight inside the party to push for our ideas. Mad uh, or disappointed? Well, disappointed and mad, yeah. Like mad at whom? But, you know, uh, at myself, I was asking the question, did I did everything right? Did something that uh, hurt me a lot? And that's why uh, I'm at 49%. So you're ask, asking a lot of questions. I was asking a lot of questions to myself. So, but I said at the end, you know, I will uh, work with Andrew and try to uh, uh, implement some part of our platform. And that did not happen. It took me... Uh, a year, and uh, Andrew told me at the end that uh, all the ideas that I put forward and 49% uh, of the members of the Conservative Party of Canada voted for that. Uh, he said, no, it's uh, we won't take that for the next campaign. So I decided I have two choices, to go back in the private sector and make more money or stay in politics and fight for what I believe. And so I decided to stay in politics, like, you know, and uh, I did that announcement the August uh, 23rd of August uh, this year, and uh, the 14th of September, we created the People's Party of Canada. I have a hard time understanding, frankly, how Mr. Scheer's Conservative Party is different than Mr. Harper's Conservative Party. And you were a cabinet member in Stephen Harper's yeah. government, yeah. and he didn't embrace your desire to end supply management or abolish corporate welfare or reform the equalization formula. And you spent a long time in Mr. Harper's team. Yes, I did. Uh, I fight for that uh, around the cabinet table. Uh, I, um, I, you know, I, I, you, I didn't agree with everything that the government did. But when uh, Stephen Harper resigned, uh, we had an opportunity. Why did you decide that you were going to strike out on your own, which is a pretty ambitious and hard task, instead of just maybe 
waiting in the wing and uh, trying to uh, form a, a coup, maybe something like a <laughs> Paul Martin did to Jean Chrétien. Like, why not just wait out having that infrastructure already there? What was the what was the cost benefit analysis of having your own party? Yeah, that's a good question because uh, the conservative member of parliament, uh, I didn't have their support. And I don't have their support today. That's why I'm not looking for them to come and cross the floor and come to uh, be with us. Uh, and I respect them. I had only six people, including myself, <laughs> in, in the Conservative Caucus who supported my platform. And I wanted to do politics differently. And I knew that staying there, you know, it's not, it's not the case. You need to start from the beginning and, and do something. But also um, with... With the, the social media today, it is easier to build a party, and we are we are we are doing that right now uh, during the reform party. That it took them uh, three years to have writing association in every writing, and at the end, they didn't have in every writing in Quebec. So, and and it took them uh, uh, six years for having candidates in every writing. At that time, they didn't have the social media. We use social media to promote our ideas so and to create the writing association. How many writing associations do you have now? Uh, 229, and we'll be able to achieve the goal for 338, so in every uh, writing in this country, before December the 28th. So it would be my Christmas gift, uh, so having an organization all across the country. So you think that you will be like on stage during the leadership debates in the next Oh, election? yes, for sure, no doubt. No doubt, because first of all, there's two important criteria. The first one, to show that you are able to elect some of your candidates. And I think I will. And the other one, to have uh, candidates in every riding. And our goal was to have about 10,000 members. But after three weeks, <laughs> we, uh, we had at that time uh, 31,000 members, more than the Green Party. I spoke with Elizabeth and she said, Maxime, it's a great achievement what you're doing. Uh, the Green Party, we exist for the last 40, 35 years and we have 19,000 members. So after three weeks, we had 31,000 funding members. And our goal is to have, before the end of May, candidates in every riding. But one important uh, test will be the by-elections. I think that the government will go ahead uh, in early January and we will be able to have candidates there. And uh, our people on the ground, they have a lot of names and so uh, they're very, uh, very uh, ready for, for these by-elections. Is your goal to supplant the conservatives as the alternative? Like, what's the, but what's the no, end goal here? Yeah, but, you know, people are telling me, Maxime, you are splitting the opposition and blah, 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 and uh, Trudeau will be elected. And so I, I said, you know, first of all, vote for what you believe in. Vote for your values. And uh, I said, there's, <laughs> we cannot split the opposition when there's no opposition. For me, Andrew Scheer and, and Prime Minister Trudeau, they're the same. All parties and try to please everybody, they're not doing politics differently. I tackle very difficult subject as a politician, climate change, immigration, and what happened uh, with uh, GM. I'm the only one say, you know, we don't have anything to do there. So, so all the other politicians, they try to please a very special interest group. We have policies that are good for all Canadians, and that's the goal to sell that. But is your end goal, like, what is your hope 
But, on uh, election day 2019. Uh, to be in government. Okay, what's your realistic <laughs> hope? <laughs> Why? Why are you laughing? You know, it's, you know, Macron, I, I like to use that example. Macron, the president of France, 11, day, 11 months before the election, created a new party, and now he's the president of France. There's 30% of the population that didn't vote the last election, so that's a huge clientele for us. So uh, a lot of things can happen if you ask me the question, so what is your goal? My goal is to be prime minister. <laughs> what is your expectation? Well, the expectation is we'll do our best. Maxime Bernier has spent the past several weeks crisscrossing the country, attending political rallies across Canada, and speaking to anyone who will listen. So who is actually showing up to his rallies? HuffPost politics reporter Zian Lam went out to Gatineau one night in November to find out more. Could you describe to me what the hat is and what, what are you wearing? It's a red hat with white lettering, Make Canada Canada Again. And that's because Canada has been drifting away from the wonderful country of freedom that I came to. And we've been losing our freedoms and we can't allow that. And I think Maxime is the right person to bring them back. Uh, my name is Alexandra Belair. I uh, came to Canada many years ago, now many decades ago. I was originally born in Czechoslovakia. But um, I, am, I am absolutely in love with Canada's traditional tra culture of freedom. And that's what I want. It may be difficult for people who have never lived on the wrong side of the Iron Curtain to understand how fundamental speech is to preserving all of our freedoms, all of our rights, and our human dignity as beings, uh, that each are individuals that have rights in and of ourselves, not just because the government deems it permissible for us to do something. My name is David. And could I ask you why you're here today? Well, I'm here to uh, hear uh, Mr. Bernier's ideas. Have you been a member of a other federal party in the past? Uh, no, not really. I don't really have any sort of affiliation. I just... Uh, um, see what they have to say, and I like to hear it unfiltered. That's why I'm here tonight, because I find these days that the media uh, does an awful lot of filtering. There's uh, less objectivity with the media, I find. So it's good to see the man in person, hear from his own mouth what he has to say, the way he says it, without having the filter of the media. What about what he said today resonated with you most? Oh, boy. Overall, the courage to speak about his convictions and whether it be politically correct or incorrect, that's, that's, that's not something he considers. He has his ideas, his beliefs, and he's willing to express them unapologetically and defend them. And that I find very, very refreshing. My name is Petar Grujic from Serbia. For 26 years that I live here, I was never a member of any party. Uh, I was very swing water between liberals and conservatives because of the policies that um, Mr. Bernier put down on the table that finally I can find myself and uh, the most things that I'm interested in is about immigration. It's personal. In 1986, in 1988, I applied to legally immigrate to Canada. 
I didn't make it through the system that was during that time. Finally, I made in 92. So I left Yugoslavia not because of civil war that started in 1992. I left because much more before I saw the values that I have could match the values that Canada is offering to all newcomers coming to Canada. So now these days what we see, you know, on our borders, there were Barassian police that it's illegal and if they cross, they will be criminally charged, arrest. So the first thing that they do when they step on Canadian soil, they break the law. But coming here, they're entitled for everything else by the law. And to you that's not fair? It's not fair for those who legally are coming. But that's why it's the personal, because I stay and I wait in the line. We are not helping the right refugees right now. Maxime Bernier has raised a few eyebrows with his stance on immigration and asylum seekers. He expands on that in part two of our interview. They are jumping the queue. Uh, it's unfair. And real people who are waiting in other countries like that, yes, in refugees camp, they cannot come in our country. That conversation is part of episode 36 in your podcast feed. Because you and I um, have spoken about this platform before, I'm not going to ask you about um, supply management. Okay, we all know my position. We all know what your position is. But what I just want to add, it's an important file for us because it is we are showing to Canadians with that file that if you cannot resist pressure, pressure that is coming from a special interest group like the cartel of supply management, so who is not able to resist the pressure? Trudeau, the NDP, share everybody. How are you going to be able to resist pressure from another special interest group? Okay, healthcare. Healthcare, yes. Big reform. Yes, you yeah. want to get rid of the federal <laughs> role said, in healthcare yeah. <laughs> and transfer tax points to the provinces. Yeah. We talked about that a little bit in the past, but are you, are you not worried that this might be the end of the public system? No, why? Because I, I won't decide. Because it's very expensive already. It's like 40% of provincial budgets. Yeah, and the province you're from has a lot of uh, more, more private, private delivery. Yeah, more private delivery than but other provinces. In your system, I imagine there will be privately run hospitals, you have private we surgeries. Maybe, we don't know, but I won't decide. I will let the province, the provinces to decide. If they, they want to tax more their people for having more public delivery, they will do it. If they want to find another way, like in Europe, for being more efficient, they will find one. How do you guarantee the system will be universal? Yeah, that's a great question. The equalization formula, uh, you know, a tax point in Ontario, it is not the same value of a tax point in New Brunswick. There's more rich people in Ontario. So it is a little bit unfair because the, the equalization formula, uh, the equalization principle in the Constitution, it is there for being sure that a Canadian in New Brunswick will have the same kind of services that a Canadian in Toronto downtown. So the way to do that is to use the equalization formula. Yes, we will give more money to, um, to uh, New Brunswick 
because a tax point in New Brunswick, the value is less than a tax point in Toronto. So we have the equalization formula to solve that. The constitution is very well written. It's a great constitution. We just have to respect that constitution. You say you want to get rid of provincial jurisdiction. You want to get rid of you want. Sorry, you want to stop meddling in provincial jurisdictions. Yes, yes. But you also want to stop provinces from putting up what you call unconstitutional trade barriers. Oh, yeah, that would be tough. Yeah, I was going to mention the fact that you kind of, in a way, lost that battle with the Supreme Court recently with the Frida Beer case. So Absolutely. how are you going to do this? Absolutely. I was very disappointed. I was very disappointed because in the Constitution, it was written that a province cannot impose a tariff. But the, the Supreme Court decided, yes, they can do it. And, uh, and so we have a decision at the Supreme Court right now. So the proposal that I had two years ago, mm-hmm. uh, right now, I don't know what we can do. So what we can do at the federal level, I think the only solution would be to give uh, monetary incentive in a budget to provinces that are cutting. To get rid of the barriers. Yeah. So the only way I can try to have a real economic union in this country is to use the budget and to give monetary incentive to a province if they're doing what we want them to do. So you won't bribe corporations, but you'll bribe the provinces. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I will ask them to respect the constitution and if they respect the constitution yes maybe they can have some money from the federal government but you know and we don't know if they will do that at the end but it's it's a, it's a very there's no there's no real solution to that and, and it's too bad because of the decision from the supreme court climate change yeah you say you believe in climate change yes what are you going to do about it then nothing Okay, we yeah. can move on to the next topic. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, because uh, Trudeau government, they believe in climate change like us, uh, ch- climate change, sorry, like us, uh, but they're not doing anything in Quebec. The federal government won't impose a carbon tax in Quebec because we have the cap and trade. With California. Yeah, so what I'm saying, the provincial government can do a lot uh, to fight climate change like they're doing right now. And the federal government respect that actually right now. So what I'm saying, there's a lot of programs at the provincial level to fight climate change. So I won't have another program at the federal level. Well, you also don't want to, you would pull us out of the Paris Climate Accord. Yeah, for sure. Because if why signing an accord if you don't respect your your signature? Uh, so and we know, like I said, the Trudeau government won't be able. Every expert they're saying, you know, if you impose twenty dollars a ton, uh, it won't change. You need to impose two hundred, five hundred dollars a ton for being sure to achieve the goals, the goal that the federal government uh, decided to to follow. But at the end, they won't be able. So it's kind of hypocrites. So, yeah. I know we're a small proportion of global emissions. 1.6%, yeah. But we're in the top 10 of you know, emitters. Yeah. Um, um, but what we must do, what we must do, I believe in the free markets. I, I believe in entrepreneurs. So, uh, you know, the, the, the technology will involve, the, 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 the people will find a solution for that. And it's, it, it is the fact right I now. I hope so. Otherwise, look, life look, at four degrees Celsius yeah, in 100 years does not look, sound enjoyable. Look, look what's happening in Toronto right now. GM decided to, to close their uh, facilities over there. And they were saying, you know, we want to build electric cars. Mm-hmm. And because we want to follow the need and the need of the, our clients and the Canadians. But the need of the clients, to can, be fair, Mr. Bernier, the need of the clients has been dictated in great part by governments who have decided that they want to have zero emission vehicles. So it, that change has been spurred by regulation. 
Yeah, some regulation, but also the behavior of the consumers change. Your policy is fingers crossed we'll get through it? No, no, I believe in human. I believe in... Uh, That's what I mean. No, no, it's it's happening right now. What I'm saying, you know, provinces, they can deal with that and the private sector will find always a good solution. You want a free trade deal with China. I said, yes, I said that. and But I'm very cautious about that uh, because it must be a fair deal also. So we may have or we can have a free trade with them, but we must have in that free trade agreement special clauses on state-owned enterprise and and, uh, trying to uh, come and and, and buy our natural resources. That's a concern with the population. So, yes, but it would be a long, it's a long road uh, before having a free trade. It is not with China. It is not the priority. It won't be the priority of a people's party government. What would you do about Saudi Arabia if you were prime minister at the moment? Yeah, uh, it's an hypocritical question. As you know, politicians, they don't like to answer. Yeah, uh, but you're not like the typical politicians. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm doing politics differently. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) So, no, answering your question, I think it's uh, it's a big concern. And... uh, I will stop uh, the deal that we had with them. We had a, a deal. Not when I'm saying we, a private corporation, is they're selling um, um, shot Light So how do you say that? Armored vehicles. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, and I, th- I think we must review that for sure. That deal. It might come with billions of dollars of penalties by the Canadian corporation. Well, yeah. Uh, well, we, we we must review it. I think, I, 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 I don't know what is the detail of that contract. Mm-hmm. And so and so that's why I'm saying, yes, I'm open to review it. At least read the contracts. What happened? I, 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 but basically they, you're saying actions like this should not go unpunished. Yeah. Yeah. Prime, I would say, in your platform is this <laughs> pledge to balance the books in two years. Yes, yes. Do you really think that's possible? For sure. How will you do it? <laughs> you know my answer. <laughs> Maybe cutting CBC? The federal government is giving $1.2 or $1.3 billion a year to CBC. And I said in my policy, you can go on my website, peoplespartyofcanada.ca, that the CBC must raise more money from their viewers. And uh, if they're so good, they will be very rich. And, so, <laughs> and, and we must be able to cut their budget by, I don't know what percentage, but it must be a transition phase. So that's what I said. Uh, you can also abolish the CRTC in telecom. There's no need to have uh, a regulator for the telecom industry. Uh, so we can save money over there. We uh, also must abolish all the uh, credit, uh, boutique tax credit that the upper government put forward to buy votes. You know, if you are a, a mom or a dad with with kids that are playing hockey. We don't have that anymore. The liberals got rid of it. Yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of others. So that, that, but that was a good example. Um, um, because I should note here yeah. that you also want to reduce income taxes substantially yeah. for individuals. Yes. A, a flat, basically, yeah. a, not completely flat tax, but three. Two, two rates. Two, two, two rate, two tax brackets. Anybody yeah. under $15,000 would pay no taxes. Yes. Um, those with 100 and above would pay 25%. Yes. And those in the middle, 15. My God, you're good. You're great. Yeah. So, so we have some policies to unleash the private sector and big reform in Ottawa for being sure that will balance the budget. But that will be our priority, yes. 
Like the reforms uh, that you foreign were aid. We said we can. I said five billion dollars over there, so we can look at it. And so that would be that won't be easy, but that would be doable. I feel like that won't be easy is like a monumental understatement. You're. But if I'm speaking about it before the campaign, all the reform that we want to do during the campaign and after the campaign, we will have the mandate to do these reform. And yes, I may have some uh, people against all our reform. the provinces. Why? What do you mean all the provinces? Uh, who don't the... want tax room? Who'd rather yeah, <laughs> be but... able to slash their own taxes than have Ottawa claim credit for slashing taxes and asking for more money? But, but if they need money for their own jurisdiction, why I will raise money for them? Raise your own money and they will be able to do that. Yeah, I'm just I... suggesting there will be a lot of pushback to your Some agenda. pushback and I'm ready for that. That's why we need to speak about it. That's why we need to have this discussion. That's why I'm with you and uh, and with the rebel, rebel. And uh, I need to be out there and to explain the platform with passion, with conviction, to be sure to have more support. Let me end by asking you what you have learned in the last year. This is it's almost the end of 2018. You had a pretty rocky 2018. Yeah. <laughs> what have you learned about Maxime Bernier in the past year? Um, you can achieve a lot in Canadian politics if you believe in something and speak about it. Thank you very much. Merci. Thank you. Maxime Bernier is the leader of the People's Party of Canada. And that's our first of two episodes of our year-ender with Maxime Bernier. In part two, we talk about immigration. I don't want to play with the emotions of Canadians. And I want them to vote for us, for our policies. And that policy is for less immigration and having a pause. That's part two or episode 36 in your podcast feed. If you have anything to say about this interview or about any previous follow-up episodes, please drop me a line. At Althea Raj, A-L-T-H-I-A-R-A-J is my handle on Facebook and Twitter. If you enjoyed this episode on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review there. Thanks this week to HuffPost politics reporter Zian Lam, and especially a big thank you to our technical producer, Stephanie Warner. Follow-up was produced by myself, Althea Raj. Our executive producer is Andre Lau.